0: No, these indictments don't strengthen Donald Trump. That's just media nonsense. I'm Matt Robeson. This is Beyond Politics. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. I joined legendary West Virginia radio host Howard Monroe on his radio show this morning just a couple of hours ago to talk about the big new set of Trump indictments. We talked about the defenses that have already begun to emerge in the media and we talked about what's the end game here, but the main focus we had was this question of do these indictments actually strengthen Donald Trump politically? This is something that I just wrote a Newsweek article about. It's on the Newsweek homepage right now. I'll put the link in the show notes for this. And I argue, no, they do not. And it's actually an illusion. It's media nonsense, this idea that somehow Donald Trump is benefiting from all of these legal entanglements. I'm up in a debate on the Newsweek homepage against former assistant secretary of the Treasury, Monica Crowley, representing the, I don't know, pro-Trump side. He's a victim. He's being persecuted. Anyway, Howard and I got into all of that and where all of this is going. And without further ado, here is Howard Monroe.
1: Big story of the week, as I said. Big story of the day, week, big story probably of the year. Donald Trump's indictments, in this particular case, the indictments out of D.C. for federal felonies involving essentially overturning the 2020 election. He'll be in the federal court in D.C. today for his arraignment. Security is tight around the Capitol and in the, cap- and in the nation's capital because who knows what's liable to happen when you're talking about Donald Trump and his supporters. We're going to talk about all of that right now with my good friend Matt Robeson, former campaign consultant and former congressional staffer, podcaster, broadcaster, and all-around good guy. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Howard. I can't get anyone to stamp
0: my frequent indictment card. Do you know anyone who can help me out? I'll help you stamp that. I'm There's like one I- stamp away from getting a piece of Greenland,
1: so I'm, I'm <laughs> crossing my fingers. There's a point I've been making. Let's just jump right to this for a second. There's a point I've been making this week. Trump came right back after the indictments were handed down, and the usual stuff It's the Crooked Joe and the Biden crime family and what about Hunter Biden and politicization of the DOJ and weaponization of the Justice Department, all that kind of good stuff. And the point I keep trying to make is Trump has not been indicted by a prosecutor. He has not been indicted by the Justice Department, per se. He has been indicted by, since he's been indicted in at least three separate jurisdictions, at least 36 average citizens who sat on grand juries and felt there was enough evidence to send him to trial. He's not indicted by the prosecutor. He's indicted by the grand jury, and they are citizens. They're not politically appointee, political appointees. So this idea that, it's, let's assume, I do not, but let's assume for a minute that Jack Smith and all of the others are themselves vendetta. The jurors are not. They're the ones who indicted him. Average American citizens. And I just think that can't be said enough. I agree with
0: you. That can't be said enough. The brilliance of the point you're making is that it's simple It's clear, and it gets at the heart of what you're trying to say, which is that the defense of Donald Trump's crony is laughable. It's clearly false. The reason that they're able to put it forward is something that you and I have talked about before. It's what the hip online crowd called Brandolini's Law, which is otherwise known as the BS Asymmetry Principle. Which is basically that sounds, that
1: sounds like an awful lot of words there,
0: an awful lot of words, and you know what that's what it's all about. It's about the fact that it's so much easier to throw out b s than it is to debunk it, and that's advantage for people like Trump who can throw out ideas like. Out of control, deep state. And it all sounds pretty good when you scream it on Fox News, which is basically, by the way, like, that's the default setting when you're going to be a guest on Fox News. You better be at 11 or higher. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's, it's easy to say, but, and it's very hard to debunk. It takes a lot of words to debunk. And it also, this is my own little pet one, it also takes advantage of the Doppler effect. You ever heard of the Doppler effect? Sure. Absolutely.
1: You you know how like.
0: When a train is coming at you, like the sound waves, or they sound different as a, right? The Doppler effect. The Doppler effect is when stupid ideas start to sound smarter when they come at you. (laughs) That's what they're (laughs) taking advantage of here, too. Like date, state, blah, 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 conspiracy, out of control, Jack Smith, whatever. We can all rattle them off. They're each a dumb idea. But if they throw them at you really fast, they flood the zone, and they try to overwhelm your senses. So, yes, you're, you're brilliant. It's just keep saying, it. no, this is regular citizens in our system of justice saying, yeah, there's probable cause that Donald Trump broke the law.
1: Three separate grand juries in three separate and disparate jurisdictions, likely to be a fourth because I think Georgia's coming soon. Citizens of the country have said that there's enough here to send this man to trial. Again, it's not a political statement from Jack Smith or anybody else. I do love some of the, and I put that in air quotes, of course. I do love some of the defenses that already seem to be being floated. There is the freedom of speech defense, which I guess they're really going to try to use, which is that Donald Trump can say anything he wants to say, lies or no lies, because after all, he has freedom of speech. And I think thinking people understand that freedom of speech does not mean that you can commit a crime based on a lie. But that's one of their one of their approaches. The other one I read a piece about last night, I forget where I saw this, Matt, you probably read it as well, I think it was Axios, I'm not sure, said so that they call Trump's delusion defense. The argument will be made that he, just, he was confused, he didn't know, he didn't lie, he just really didn't understand what was going on. The delusion defense. I don't know that either one of those is going to work. I don't
0: think either one of those is going to work on my show, Beyond Politics, podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. I talked to my co-host, former Congressman Paul Hodes. He's also a former prosecutor, and we evaluated those two defenses yesterday. On the first one, the free speech one, that's the one that holds even less water. You can't, under your free speech rights, walk into a bank and say, "Stick 'em up and give me all your money." That's all speech, but there's my right, I just- right Right. There, there's plenty of areas in the law that are exempted from the idea of free speech. The most famous one is you can't shout fire in a crowded theater. You can't use speech as a way of threatening or otherwise furthering a crime. And, of course, what's alleged here is a conspiracy to commit actions. And I think that's the flaw in the second defense, the delusion defense, which I also call the George Costanza defense for fans (laughs) of Seinfeld. It's not a lie if you believe it. It, which is to say, you can be as deluded as you want. But what you can't do is enter into a conspiracy to create fake slates of electors. That's against the law. You can't do that. And so, again, I'm not offering independent legal analysis. I'm offering what I've gotten in the way of legal analysis. If people want. I'm going to ask those questions very directly in a couple of hours of Christy Parker, a former prosecutor who's part of the group Protect Democracy, and we're going to walk through those defenses and whether they'll work and how to pierce them and overcome them and what Jack Smith is going to need to do to overcome them. Check out Beyond Politics. We'll be recording that in a couple of hours and putting it out tomorrow.
1: There is, at least according to what we understand from Jack Smith's indictment and and other places, There is a significant body of witness testimony saying that they told Donald Trump the election was not stolen and that he acknowledged that in their presence. So the idea that he just, he truly believed it, you can't hold him accountable for saying what he truly believed. There's a body of evidence that likely will come out at trial that is, that just disproves that. Donald Trump has always gotten away just by bluster, but in a court, and he has tried his best never to get into a courtroom. But now that he's in a courtroom and in at least three cases, again, I think one more, I think George is coming, he's going to he's going to find it's more difficult to just bluster your way away. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
0: And he's Let's not forget, and I think that this is forgotten a lot by the media because it's so inconvenient, that he's been indicted three times. But in the same time span, he was found by a federal judge who clarified word for word that he's a rapist. And I don't say that to shock the conscience or the ears of your listeners. It's hard It's hard to say. But that was the finding in a court. That was the finding. That was the clarification. The federal judge said that's the correct term to use. And I think we are seeing that, to your point, over and over again, that the court of public opinion, Donald Trump's M.O., of bluster and using the Doppler effect and Brandon's law and just throwing out a flood of red herrings and seemingly relevant points. That works when you're dealing with a media environment that's skewed in your direction, where you have willing defenders, co-conspirators, you might call them, at the head of the Republican Party and on Fox News willing to take up the banner. But it does not work in a court of law. And every time Trump has ended up in an actual court of law, it's gone badly for him. I can't think of a single example, and I've gone over this pretty thoroughly, I can't think of a single example where things have gone well for Donald Trump in a court of law in his decades and decades of running afoul of the law.
1: I I completely agree. But here's the problem, Matt. Here's the problem. It's a 929, by the way, on the Watchdog Morning Show. Matt Robeson is with me. We're talking about the Trump indictment now. We have some other things to get into in the second half of the show, half of this hour, but... Let's stick with Trump for a minute. Here's the problem. The history so far, this is his third indictment, the history so far is he gets indicted, he throws out his jibble-jabber, and his polling numbers go up, and even more stunning, his campaign contributions go up. He actually benefits from these indictments, doesn't he?
0: The simple answer is that's a popular misconception fueled by lazy punditry and motivated reasoning. And, in fact, I am currently on the front page of the Newsweek homepage. That sounds like a, a not very humble brag, sorry. Um, my, my op-ed arguing this point is paired in a debate format op-ed against Monica Crowley, the former Deputy Secretary of the Treasury under Donald Trump, who's uh, – I'll leave her arguments aside. No, the simple answer is no. The indictments have not strengthened Donald Trump. And I won't walk people through the entire set of reasoning, but people who have heard me before know that I like to bring receipts. I like to bring actual heads. And when you look at the actual polling, no, he has not really gotten a substantial or lasting bump from. He's got a tick.
1: He's got a tick, but not a bump.
0: Yeah, he's gotten a short uptick. There's a very likely reason for that. It's an effect that's well-known among pollsters, um, and the pattern of what's happened here fits it like a glove. And the much more likely explanation for what's going on here is simply that there are no good alternatives. In fact, the number two candidate, I was going to say the number one alternative or the number two candidate in the field, is Ron DeSantis, who's running an historically terrible campaign and his support has been cut in half in the last few months. And 40% of DeSantis supporters say that their second choice is Donald Trump. Lo and behold, if you do a little arithmetic, it takes about 10 seconds, you find that the proportion of people who say, well, Trump is my second choice, have now gone over to Donald Trump. And that accounts for all of his rise in the polls. And final thing I'll say, if you look, we now have the data from the Republican fundraising platform. It's called Red because they had to do something that Act Blue, the platform on the Dem side. We in Red, we actually have data now for the first six months of the year. And what you find is that, yes, when the Manhattan criminal indictment came in and the arraignment came in, Donald Trump was able to fundraise very successfully off of that. But when subsequent cases came in, the fundraising windfall was much, much less. People are becoming numb to this. It's not working. My co-panelist, I have a Republican panelist on my show every week because I believe in a diversity of perspectives. She gets all these emails. She got 30 emails after the indictment Tuesday evening, and she, she says that, like, it's all kind of becoming background noise. And so his money windfall is becoming less and less. And in fact, his campaign is flat broke now because of all of these legal fees.
1: But, yeah, he's turned most of his campaign money into legal defense fund money, and so he's got not a lot to spend for the campaign, at least not right now. Exactly. But somebody, somebody will step up, and will lots of little people will, and big people will, and help him out. Do you believe that Donald Trump will be the nominee?
0: Yeah, I believe it's overwhelmingly likely that he'll be the nominee. Now, there is some polling evidence that there's been some softening in his support among Republicans. It's not unanimous polling evidence. But there is some that the number of Republicans who say that they're open to another candidate has gone up. The number of Republicans who say that Donald Trump did nothing wrong has gone down. And there may be a slight crack. But the thing is, you can't beat something with nothing. And now the rest of the Republican field represents nothing. Ron DeSantis was the great I was going to say the great white hope. That's a very dated phrase. Yeah, you know what? That may be appropriate, though, actually. the uh, You know, Ron DeSantis was the – Republicans go through this pattern. I liked Ron DeSantis just as much the first time when he was called Tim Pawlenty or Scott Walker or Fred Thompson <laughs> or another one of these kind of Joey, tabula raza figures who – oh, we don't know a lot about him. But he seems – he presents himself well. He has clean teeth. I don't know he seems like a nice friendly face and then you find out a little bit more about them and it's huh he's an empty show there's nothing going on underneath what is wrong with this person i'm not going to vote for him for president that's what's happened with Ron DeSantis, and right now there's
1: no alternative there has... there's, there's no alternative that has any that's being given much chance i'm certainly not a republican therefore wouldn't vote for any of them but i think chris christie is making some of the right noises but he's he not is. gaining he's not getting traction he's not getting any traction here's the historic problem
0: If you look at the history of polling, which nerds do, you can see that it's something like 86 candidates that you have very robust polling information on in the last 50 years. There's been one occasion, one, where someone at this point in the cycle has come from about the range that all of these other candidates are to win the nomination. It's happened one time. One for 86, you're a little above 1% chance historically. So that's something. It's like from Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. It's not a zero, but it's not a great chance. And someone's going to have to get their act together. And the real problem that Republicans face is this collective action problem, which is they've got to coalesce around one. As they continue to be split, it becomes harder to coalesce around one alternative to take on Trump. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
1: Matt, I don't know if you saw on CBS this morning yesterday where one of Trump's attorneys thinks he ought to try and move the trial to West Virginia. What do you think?
0: I think that the good people of West Virginia would give an outstanding trial to the former president because the people of West Virginia are so wise.
1: And That's, and- no, Matt. Matt, no? Matt, let's just be brutally honest. The people, most of the people of West Virginia are deep blue-red cultists of Trump, and there's no conceivable way he could possibly <laughs> get a fair trial in this state. 68% of the vote went to Trump. Every single county, the popular vote went for Trump. We have almost no elected officials that are Democrats, and we're going to lose one more, I think, in the next week or so. And you can wander the countryside, and unless you bump into me, you're not going to find too many Democrats.
0: So, I think,
1: I'm sure they want it here in West Virginia. It will be a perfect place. That's only
0: because they can't move it to Florida or <laughs> perhaps inside one of the ballrooms at Mar-a-Lago.
1: Look, I think uh, Hey, Matt, listen. The problem with that is there's no room in those ballrooms. they got, those boxes in, they got the stuff. boxes in
0: there. <laughs> that's, no, all of those boxes are in the bathroom. So there's oh, plenty of room. Right. So, look, this is another one of those things we were talking about a few minutes ago where on the surface it sounds somewhat reasonable. We are a few minutes past. I want to be fair about this. We are a few minutes past questioning the motives of Eileen Cannon, who wanted to hold the classified documents trial, keep that trial within her own tiny courthouse, which also happens to draw its jury pool from major Trump-supporting areas. And I was among the analysts who criticized that and questioned her motivation. I understand the temptation to question motivations here. And what the Trump lawyers are saying is Biden won in Washington, D.C., 94 to 6. It seems like this is a – this, but here's the logical fallacy. What they're essentially saying is that the law doesn't matter. It's the same point that you started with at the top of the show, right? That this is not a political thing. That arguing that this is a – that it's all just a political thing – that's the Trump game. Your point, Howard, was, no, this is system of justice. This is 36, at least 36 individual American citizens making an independent legal judgment. And the same thing is true about the location of the trial. is that sure, if you want to say, "Oh, it's all political, whatever they say is just going to be whether they like Trump or don't like Trump. That basically says that we don't trust our fellow citizens in a jury to make legal decisions under our system of justice and that everything needs to be overtaken by our politics. Not everyone is overtaken by politics. Not everything oh, is driven by politics.
1: It's so, a good point, but you need to come to West Virginia to get a better feel of how the average person on the street feels about
0: I currently live in Western Massachusetts, which is popularly believed to be highly liberal. And I, I do live in a highly liberal town, but we are an enclave
1: in the middle of North Trumpistan. So I have
0: some perspective on
1: this. And let me ask you, before we have to wrap this up, and I've asked everybody we've talked to about this week, what's the end game here? All right, Trump is indicted on at least in three different jurisdictions, on multiple counts, federal felonies, overturning the election, obstruction of justice, those types of things. I keep adding, likely to be invited, indicted in Georgia at a state level, which is important, by the way. we'll get to talk about that sometime but he's going to plead not guilty, of course today. but at some point there's going to be a trial. There will be three trials at some point. What happens? What's the ultimate end game here? Does Trump at some point finally say, I will just have to plead, take a plea bargain, keep myself out of an orange jumpsuit, and uh, but I won't be able to run for office ever again? Or is he too obstinate to do that? Do we really want to put an ex-president in an orange jumpsuit and put him in prison? I don't have an answer to the question. That's why I'm asking around. What do you think the ultimate endgame is here?
0: I'm going to have to keep my wants out of this because I have many wants, and like many Democrats they're like I have all kinds of fantasies about terrible things happening to Donald Trump. But I have to I have to restrain myself. I, I am a justice system purist. I believe in having trials in courts under a fair judicial system, not in the court of public opinion and not according to my personal political desires. I think there are three potential outcomes here. And look, I think one of them is essentially something that we can't predict, which is Trump goes to trial in these now three different sets of indictments, maybe a fourth, maybe some other things. And over the course of the next year, some juries convict him and then independent judges have to hand out a sentence. And I think that there is, we can't predict what these judges are going to do. But in that scenario, number one, yeah, I mean, there is a likelihood that Trump is in jail. And in this scenario, what we would say is Trump loses the 2024 election or in, in some way does not get president and he ends up serving a jail term. And look, and I think the ultimate end game, your question of this is how are we going to break? that demon grip of Donald Trump on our throats. And the answer is that if we get through the next year and he doesn't get reelected, whether he goes to jail or not, he is going to be a fading force in American politics. I truly believe that because we already see in polling that Republicans are tired of being backward looking. They don't want to carry the water for him forever. There will be diehard dead enders who will hold up Trump as a martyr for decades and decades to come, but eventually the man's natural lifespan will end. And I, I, I think that cause will begin to peter out. I'll very quickly just say that there are two other scenarios here. One is that he is convicted or is not convicted and doesn't get meaningful jail time, and then it's all down to the election. And then there's a final scenario, which regardless of what happens in the courts, he wins election in 2024. And look, that's a theme that I think you and I can discuss at another time. But I think that is an utter and complete disaster. I was making a joke a moment before about the four horsemen of the apocalypse appearing in the sky. But I am very serious that that is an extinction level event for the United States. This morning at the breakfast table, my children asked me, if Donald Trump wins in 2024, will we move to another country? And I said, no, we'll stay and fight.
1: But it's going to be... Bad.
0: It is going to be very bad.
1: It, in, indeed. Matt, i got to uh, stop it right there. I had a whole other issue I wanted to get into today. Maybe next week we'll do that because Donald Trump, Jim Jordan, the Republican Party in the legislation, Alabama, Texas, all of it, There's a lot of just plain ignoring of the law going on. There's a lot of people who are just saying, yeah, I don't care. I keep referring to the Alabama legislature, the Republican-led legislature, that just simply said we're not going to follow the Supreme Court's ruling on on redistricting. What's happening in this country? How is everything falling apart? How do we put it back together again? And it probably ties directly to the conversation today. But I don't have time for it now. We'll have to do that again. People can check out your podcast, Beyond Politics, wherever fine podcasts are. Also, you've got a piece at Newsweek.com on the front page. You can check that out. And I always forget the name of your YouTube channel. I've got it saved. I'm subscribed to it, but I can't think of the name of it. Help me out.:
0: Blue amp,
1: Blue, Blue amp. amp. We are giving Blue excellent
0: amp. coverage to everything going on. so check it out on YouTube. Blue amp. Right.
1: Matt we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much. I appreciate it.: Thanks, Howard.
0: take care.